coming up on Art Palace. And there's like the same, you know, three pieces of music you'll hear while someone's walking <laughs> through an art museum on, on television. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Ahmad Mays, Director of Education and Community Engagement from Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. What does the education department I, it's like i should know better since i work in our education department <laughs> but i guess what does that look like at uh, i mean it's such a different type of organization for the symphony so like what what do those kind of programs look like what's what are the types of things you're doing there you know for orchestras for for the cincinnati symphony orchestra um, at the center of our work in the education and community engagement department we kind of have three um, pillars of what we do uh, the first one is going to be um, uh, school programs. Um, so working directly with schools to um, uh, provide um, uh, music um, enrichment experiences, uh, musicians going out to schools, field trip concerts, uh, where schools come to us at Music Hall. And uh, the second area is going to be our instructional programming area. Mm -hmm. So this is actually um, teaching music to kids. So uh, like literally on, on instruments. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we have a, a fantastic youth orchestra um, that is a, a part of the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. And actually two youth orchestras. Oh, okay. Um, about 100 kids in each. Um, so we manage that. Um, in addition to... Um, uh, a pre-conservatory program that we just launched this year called the Nouveau Pre-Conservatory Program, which is um, a program that is geared towards uh, supporting uh, young musicians who are currently underrepresented in classical music. So mm -hmm. African-American, Latino, Hispanic, and certain other groups are largely underrepresented, not just on the professional orchestra stage, mm -hmm. um, about 4%, 4.3% of professional orchestra musicians are African-American or Latino um, or Hispanic. Um, that number gets slightly bigger when you look at conservatory and then slightly bigger when you look at kids, yeah. you know, in their high school music programs. But overall, it's a, it's a, it's a real, um, uh, issue for us. And, and the Nouveau Pre-Conservatory Program is one that we hope will um, make a difference in that area. And along that same line, we have a, a, a diversity fellowship program that fits within our instructional programs, which is a pre-professional program uh, that pairs um, performing with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra and Pops, um, receiving mentorship from our musicians, and um, uh, career development seminars pairs that with a master's program at CCM. And this program is also geared towards musicians of pre-professional um, range who are underrepresented in orchestras. So uh, we've got eight fellows right now, um, about to audition our third mm -hmm. class of fellows later this month. Um, and that one is just getting started too. So we're in our third year of that program. 
um, looking to make an impact yeah. um, in this area of diversity. Um, and just really quickly before you, I, I see a question brewing over there. So hold on to that. I <laughs> said right. there were three okay. pillars. Okay. What, I kind we, are we only on two? Or we're right? only on two right okay. now. Right. The third is our, <laughs> our, our community engagement programming, which is um, really founded on our desire to um, uh, work with communities on uh, on shared goals and and creating art together with communities, not just to introduce um, people to what we do, but mm -hmm. also assist neighborhoods and communities in highlighting the great resources that they bring to the right. table. So we're looking really looking um, uh, at taking a collaborative approach to um, to uh, engaging neighborhoods and communities and, and, and allowing more people to get familiar with what we do at the orchestra. And, and also, um, you know, helping people realize that it, you know, we're more than um, an ensemble that only plays at Music Hall. You know, we're committed to being embedded within our neighborhoods and yeah. we've got many ways in which we do that as well. So uh, the, the question that was brewing, <laughs> that you saw um, was, because uh, you were, you were talking a lot about the efforts that you're making um, towards increasing diversity um, through education. And I guess I was curious about the other parts of the organization that you don't necessarily oversee. So it's not really your responsibility. I understand that. But I guess I was curious, uh, does, does uh, the symphony make an effort to sort of represent um, composers, diverse composers and things like that? Is that a, a sort of a, a a sort of concentrated effort or is it just, you know, you're just doing a great job or what, you know, like how, how do you feel about that? It is. Yeah. Um, I'll start by mentioning our, um, composure and residence for the 1819 season, Jonathan Bailey Holland. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had a long over decades long relationship with, with Jonathan. He's an African American composer, uh, based out of Boston and efforts are intentional to, yeah. to, to highlight, um, art that's created by um, underrepresented composers, uh, musicians. Um, and I think we've got to actually have a, a world premiere coming up in a few weeks by a Mexican-American composer, Enrique, Enrico Chapella. Um, I can't say when that when yeah. that's happening. I don't have the program <laughs> okay. in front of me, but 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 you know the efforts are are are, are there and they're sincere. Um, but the challenges are are real. Um, yeah. And they're substantial in that, um, you know, the statistics, the trends that I pointed out um, about musicians who are actually performing in orchestras, they exist across all areas right. of our field. So um, there is underrepresentation from composers and from guest soloists, um, administrators. Um, it's a it's a it's a, a wide um, uh, issue. And something that we're determined to address, not just here in Cincinnati, but I think as a field, I see a, yeah. I see a, a real um, growing intensity and a growing sense of urgency and um, sincerity yeah. in addressing uh, this challenge. You know, hearing hearing about it more and more at our national conferences and things like that, and it's um, to me, it's one of the most exciting parts of our work because. It's something that can be truly transformative to our field. 
um, uh, finding ways to overcome our, you know, centuries old tradition of right. being exclusive. I mean, yeah. classical music kind of, you know, started, you know, you know, in the, uh, you know, with the aristocracy. I mean, it was something that was only afforded by um, you know, the wealthy, you know, and slowly it's becoming more and more accessible to other people, but we want to make sure it's something that everyone can be a part of, um, and access in many different ways. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think we're probably in a really similar boat in that way. You know, it's, it's a similar struggle. I think that between a museum and a symphony of, of having the, that same kind of history of, of being somewhat exclusive and also, having that um, a sort of wall or perceived or real um, with, with, you know, people that this is not for them, you know, mm -hmm. like that's yeah. a big thing we deal with all the time of just like, you know, I, I think, and you know, pop culture has a lot to do with that too, as well of like, you know, how are, if you think about how, how the symphony is represented, how a museum is represented in <laughs> pop culture, it's kind of like the same cast of characters, the same sort of cliched people yeah. will show up in both of those yeah. scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, with, I mean, there's like the same, you know, three pieces of music you'll hear while someone's walking through an art museum on, on television. It's you usually know. Baroque. Right. Right. Da, 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 dum, 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 da, dum, dum. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Actually, that's like uh, one of the jokes of like when I started this podcast, I, I sort of laid down the law that there would be no Baroque music in it. And then like I found this really kind of great uh, version of this Bach song that is the theme. You know, it's this like hip hop remix of it and stuff. Oh, and cool. so, so yeah. that's what it was. It was like, okay, this is sort of so cheeky about it that I'm like, I can get away with using like Baroque music, but, but it is like this cliche of like things that are, you know, like, and now you're at the museum, uh -huh. you know, or, or you're at Panera. I don't know which one because it's the same music. Usually. Yeah. 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 There's, there, there's, there is a, it truly is a, um, stigma out yeah. there that, that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not true. I mean, it's okay to, uh, yeah, I'm sure with you, it's okay to wear your jeans to the right, art museum. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't even have to, you could, you could wear a t-shirt, t-shirt. Oh yeah. As well. You wear shorts if you want to. I think actually, <laughs> I mean, I think by being free, we actually, that, that has helped. I, I, I think like there are some folks who feel like a need, like they need to sort of dress up when they go to it. And there are folks that don't, and we're really happy to have them come through the door no matter what you're wearing. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you're in the same boat. It's like, Look, if you want to come, <laughs> if you want to come sit in this theater, you please do it wearing right. whatever, whatever you, want. you want. And by all means, if you want to clap between yeah. movements, that's okay with me. That yeah. is so funny. That is like that is a big one. Oh my gosh, we were talking about that. Um, I was talking with Julie Sunderland from the ballet, and I was talking about how my own insecurities about going to the ballet is that I never know what's impressive. Like, I feel like everyone around me is supposed, you're supposed to kind of know like, Oh, that was really hard. And I'm like, it all looks hard to me. Like, I don't know. Like why, why would I clap for this part and not this part? But it's like, there's this sort of unspoken agreement around you of like, Oh yes. Oh, you know, suddenly oh, really? we like clap because they did some move that I have yeah. no idea what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the fun I find too is, um, you know, you kind of have to feel the room. The room, right. the room, kind of collectively decides. Yeah. Sometimes when it's time to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. It's um, it's it's you know, it's it's funny. It never fails though. After the first movement of 
of a piano concerto, people, I mean, because usually they don't often feel like the end. I mean, when right. it's the longest move, you're sitting there for 20 minutes, right? you know, and then there's a grand cadenza, you know, at the end <laughs> where they're just, you know, you think the piano is going to start on fire. They're playing so many notes. Right. And then this grand, you know, these grand chords at the end. And then sure enough, I mean, everyone, um, uh, has been there when you know the last chord cuts off and then the, the auditorium you know uh, erupts in applause and then they just kind of wait and then oh by the way there's more <laughs> <laughs> yes which is my favorite yeah it but it does create this weird I I never thought about that about the weird like kind of social dynamic of like the people in the know and the people not. And then like th there is this total like thing happening there where you are maybe a little more guarded, but isn't that like, so you can, I'm sure you'll know more about this, but aren't, um, isn't this sort of like the, the sacred music hall, like a kind of new idea, like as far as like a place you go to hear music, that is like where the audience sits in is like really quiet. Is that like kind of new, right? Like, I mean, in, in terms of like, about as old as probably your institution, I'm guessing, or, or is um, it a little older than that? Well, you know, I, I think there are probably varied accounts of, you know, what it meant to be um, in the audience right. of an orchestra performance throughout history. But uh, I think co what's common commonly understood is that um, at least as far back as the classical period, mm -hmm. um, it was common to applaud whenever you felt right it was appropriate now in terms of you know socializing and things like that i'm not sure well, yeah, um, yeah. although that would be kind of neat too i'd love to see a concert series where it's kind of like you sit there with your cocktail and everyone is respectful enough to listen to the music but also has the right you know you know not be able to talk to your your you know or the people around you without feeling like you're going to get uh, a stared at, but um, you know, orchestras experiment with that kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, you'll see things like, um, for instance, our, um, we have a series where we're doing chamber music, some of our local breweries mm -hmm. um, and um, a few times a year. And it's, you know, taking the music, putting it in an unconventional space and adding, you know, the, you know, secret ingredient of alcohol <laughs> and um, trying something different, allowing people to experience it in a different way, yeah. you know, that because uh, I think particularly a lot of our um, uh, young professional, um, you know, they're going out is, needs to be a social experience, mm -hmm. you know? And um, while we try and build that around the concert, um, we try and optimize the um, uh, kind of the science, the silent social experience of sitting and listening to a concert and kind of sharing um, in that experience together. It's not the same as, you know, holding a drink and being able to, to right. chat and react to the music in real time through, you know, conversation. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's a, to your question, I think it's a, um, you know, somewhat of a, a 20th century thing that you sit there and wait for all three or all four movements of a symphony or concerto to be finished before you can, um, show your gratitude to the artist. Right. Um, and uh, you know, there it becomes more about the, um, less about the audience and, and more about the. Um, the music and the, the performers, and I don't necessarily think it should be that way. I mean, who is the art for yeah. to begin with, right? Yeah. How, uh, just kind of now, we're, as we're talking about time and timelines and stuff, how uh, how old is the symphony? 
The symphony will celebrate its 125th anniversary okay. uh, with the 1920 season. So I guess if I do the math, that makes us 123 okay. years old right now. Um, but the history actually goes back a little bit further than right. that. Um, Cincinnati has um, had in orchestra or orchestras uh, performing in it long before the CSO was established. They kind of say that their, you know, music is kind of in in the blood here. Mm -hmm. In fact, the May Festival goes back, it predates the the orchestra. Right. Um, and um, and then uh, ultimately the, the CSO was formed uh, in the late 19th century okay. and has, um, has been around ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I assumed. I, I knew the May Festival um, was first and that essentially music hall was sort of built around the May festival. Um, and then I, so I, I kind of knew it was slightly after, but I assume they were kind of all lining up roughly around the same time. Um, just sort of always interested. I, I, I bring this up in like every episode, but I'm just always fascinated when like all of these organizations that start like ours and, and that like are all kind of starting around the same time too, Uh you know? And Uh even like when we talk about museums, it's like, museums aren't also that old of an idea either really like if you think about it i mean you have a few that are in that traditional model like the louvre or something that goes back you know a little bit older than uh you know it's 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 probably a hundred years or so before us but um you know for a while it was it was like um you know you go to somebody has a private collection or but you know this sort of idea of a public place where you would go and see art is just it's it's in the big scheme of history is is kind of new so yeah it's always something you know we we like to think about too and as you're talking about context and like different ways you might experience music it's it's something we try to remember all the time is like you know when people maybe get in a, a huff about the way that they're expecting to experience the art here that like well almost none of this stuff was created to be seen in a museum. Right. Like we have recontextualized all of this basically. Like even the things that look like they should be here because you've always seen them here. Um, you know, that is something that is still recontextualized. Like that portrait was meant to be in that lady's house, not here, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, you, you know, there were some pieces where that's really obvious where, you know, you have the African collection that was never meant to be seen right. in a museum, right? Like this is stuff that has, you know, many of them are religious ceremonial objects yeah. that are meant to be performed with. They are yeah. performative objects and they're not really meant to be just looked at statically. So yeah. there are some things where it's really obvious, but then there are other things where it's like, yeah, the context is different in all of this. And, and apart from things like 20th, again, like things that were made after this idea existed, basically, of like after the building happens, you know, after you start having museums, people start making work that is kind of meant to go into museums, right? Yeah. And it's kind of, I'm sure, the same way with music as well, too. Like you have sort of music being created for a context as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have music being created that is meant to exist in this sort of mode of well, this is the way people will see it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it. Um, compositions weren't always created for the concert hall. That's that's for right. sure. And our um, what's cool about an orchestra is that it's. I mean, it's a. It's a. You know, it's not a fixed. 
yeah. uh, creation that's always the same. I mean, it's a living, breathing organism, and it's actually evolved mm -hmm. over the years, much in the same way that you know art techniques and and right. and, and, and and media have evolved over time, and um, uh, orchestras now. Uh, you know, let's hopefully my you know college history professor is not listening <laughs> in because I my facts might not be straight oh, here, but it's okay. Don't worry. I, I I will. I'm definitely going to fact check what I just said about the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, I'm like, if I'm way off, you can guarantee I will cut that part out because yeah. I'm like, I always do that. Like after I say something, and then I go. Is that right? I right. better look it up before I sound stupid. Right, but or orchestras as a as a concert ensemble. Um, once we take you know like uh, uh, you know opera out of the equation, um, uh, it was um, I think originated in private homes, much right. like art. So, um, for instance, Haydn, um, one of the most famous composers, his his job was to compose music to be played for a person who wanted music to be performed <laughs> in his home. He had a, you know, a, a wealthy um, person who, who hired him to provide his personal music for his own parties. And um, those symphonies were never intended to be performed in a 2200 seat right. concert hall, you know, but over time um, it kind of made that shift. And, and, and then you get into the later periods and you get these um, uh, technological advancements that allowed orchestras to become louder and bigger and the instruments to uh, be more dynamic and do more incredible things. Um, then the, uh, you know, the, the, the canvas changed mm -hmm. at that point, you know, it's, um, uh, it's incredible to just kind of think back or about the evolution of the ensemble and how much it reflects the actual kind of, um, evolution of, uh, of society really. And, um, technology and industry, um, really plays a big part in, uh, what the orchestra is now, you yeah. know, all the way up to new compositions that utilize electronic instruments. And uh, there's even concertos for, um, I want to say there's one piece that uses cell phone. Oh, really? Like ringtones that the audience provides, like get your cell phone out. We're going <laughs> to, you know, this is an interactive piece. And then there's another work for um, turntables, DJ, uh -huh. which which is really interesting. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of cool to, to, to just think that it's a make these parallels between, you know, the, yeah. the, the visual art um, field as well um, about how these things came about and what the purpose was and, and, and what we use them for now. Yeah, that just made me think when you talk about the piece for cell phones another kind of like interesting art music crossover is is like someone like john cage um where you have you know him making uh pieces for like radios that were to be turned you know like the 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 score is just a, a set of instructions for people to turn a radio dial at certain points you know so yeah. the piece is totally um created uh based on the happenstance of what's on the radio at the moment and most of yes. the time it's fuzz and sometimes yes. you get little like half weird in between things things playing yes. over top of each other right and then he's using that same process to also create artworks as well so uh -huh. he's making you know drawings and prints and things that use sort of chance operations and uh happen you know happenstance to sort of like roll random numbers to determine like the size of the piece the length of marks and all of this uh -huh. too so you know, it's it's interesting to see somebody who's really like working in a in a mode, and then they can like 
expand that to almost anything. Like uh-huh. it could be music, it could be art, it could be anything. Yeah. It's like really interesting yeah. to have those crossovers. Yeah. yeah, there's always that like um there's only there's always that uh that you know the the factor of what will people think that will they like it you know yeah. and our consumer uh, i don't know what it's like here you know um but they expect to be um they expect to um appreciate <laughs> what you're putting out there and i that's not always the case you know with, with with orchestras i mean for the most i mean for a large part you know we feel like it's part of our job to expand the um the views of our audience yeah. and um but also we want to provide you know those go-to reliable experiences <laughs> that we you know the beethoven's ninth that we know right. is going to resonate with our audience but I'm, do you find those types of reactions when you do oh, yeah. certain exhibits yeah i think we know well this is going to be a little challenging you know this is going to challenge people um and yeah, I think there's there's definitely an effort to mix it up. You know, we have our shows that we know will be crowd pleasers, uh-huh. right? We know that, okay, this is going to be the, like, successful thing. So, you know, I think we usually try to mix those up. So we might have something that's, um, you know, a little more obscure, a little more off the beaten path, a little more challenging maybe at the same time that we have something that we know will be more of a crowd pleaser so yeah. that people come for that crowd pleasing thing, but then hopefully stay um, and, and check out something, you know, I think something like the William Kentridge uh, exhibit downstairs that um, the, is a amazing video installation that actually is really musical and uses, a uh, you know, music is such a huge part of it. It's something that I think probably most of our audiences are not super familiar with the artists when they show up. I mean, many people are, he's, he's a pretty well-known artist, but I think a lot of people, it's this thing that they didn't expect to be impressed by, but it's like one of those things that everybody who goes into it goes, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know, I think that's one of the great things is we can pull them in with some one thing and then they'll go check out the other stuff. And also, you know, I think to me, it's, it's fun to be challenged by things. And Mm -hmm. I know not everybody shares that opinion, but I love going to um, see something that sort of doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. And I feel the same way about music too. I kind of love to hear something that's like, I've never heard anything like this. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, you know, for, for people like us who are um, kind of immersed in it, it's, I think the, it's easier to, um, find the value because we, 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 we know it, you know, and, and, um, something new is, 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 is really interesting Mm -hmm. and, um, and allows us to kind of grow and develop, you know, um, I wonder for the, you know, say, say our typical subscriber who really they might go to six concerts Mm -hmm. a year. I, I'm starting to like form these questions in my head is, the experience of um, artistic expansion or cultivation is it different for them because they have those six opportunities to you know experience the orchestra and are we thinking um, about about that yeah. when 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 developing you know the the series and things I'm sure we are it's not my area of, of work but it's um you've you've got me you've got me thinking about it now. <laughs> Do you want to go look at some art in the collection with me? Yeah, sure. Okay. That sounds cool. Let's go.
are in the third floor galleries uh, here looking at Judy Pfaff's uh, 3-4 time. And so I was trying to think of a piece that was had some sort of musical references sure. in it, but was also not too straightforward and not too literal. <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to find the right the right angle here. Uh, yeah, to I don't interpret. know. I don't know if there is a right angle. So maybe we should just start by since people probably can't see this, and I'm not sure I will even be able to include an image of the work because we don't own the photo rights to this piece uh, because it is so new. Um, so maybe we should just describe what we're looking at. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> you don't want the, you don't want to be up the challenge. <laughs> lots of lots of metal. Yeah, lots of wires, metal. Um, so if I was to maybe categorize this piece it is a an assemblage you might say out of um of found objects yeah um, some 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 decor some practical objects i see a chair in there yeah i'm, I'm assuming some of it is created especially spe for the piece some is found um and it is a wall sculpture so it's kind of interesting because it while it is three-dimensional and you can walk somewhat around it it is ultimately attached to the wall so you can never get all the way around it so it's something of a you know you feel like you have mostly one angle on it and then you get kind of subtle changes as you move around that um, a little bit it's very active <laughs> it is yeah I don't know where to where to draw my eyes uh, so I, I when I when I view something like this, I kind of break it down. You know, I'm seeing shapes. Um, I'm a very literal uh, mm -hmm. viewer of art, so I see a peanut and a hot air balloon with an umbrella on top of it. Um, lots of lots of green glass bottles, and yeah. there are these fish that are just kind of swimming around over here next to some mussels. Uh, the the sea. The sea, you know, the the, the sea shellfish mussel, uh, and limes. Yeah. So, it's very yeah. You're mentioning the green. The whole like the color palette of this piece is pretty limited. There's it's like black and white and gray um, for the most part, and then you also have these different greens, um, and you have basically three different green things. You have these big discs in the background that have. Um, circular shapes that are cut out of the their big circles themselves and then they have other circles cut out of them and those are this like kind of acidic yellow green almost like highlighter color it's, I would agree with that yeah. yeah and then you have in the foreground those are kind of in the background in the foreground we have a, like a I don't know swimming with the fish these bottles that look kind of like they're floating along with them they're sort of held up in these little containers um, these green glass bottles, and then you have these limes, these plastic limes as well, which are pretty close in color to those bottles too. Um, and again, they're kind of also mixing in with the, the sea life. Um, so yeah, it's you. And then the only other thing that's kind of outside of that green is this like weird structure in the middle, and I don't know what to, it is. Yeah, I'm trying to, to, to make sense of that, it's, or see where it fits, you know? Yeah, and it's the only kind of anomaly, and I wonder if she she chose it maybe because it's a, a little bit of an anomaly. You know, sometimes an artist likes to throw something in there that kind of sets everything else off a little bit, because it, yeah. it, it's a little too harmonious, it's, it's a yeah. little bland. Yeah. So it's this kind of gold 
um, yellow metal structure that definitely looks like a found object of some sort, but I have no idea what it would be for. No, neither do I. I mean, it looks like some kind... I mean, it's got these feet that clearly would, like, sit on the floor. It almost looks like an umbrella stand or something, but I don't think it would be super helpful. I don't know. Like, it doesn't yeah. have a base. Huh, it doesn't have a base, yeah. I can't quite figure out I'm, what... I'm sure my wife would find a practical use for that in our home, probably. <laughs> she finds things like this, you know? And this is one of those things, too, where the label doesn't actually help us because it just says, found objects. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking of the... So, 3-4 time, that's a musical thing. That's a time signature. I don't know if the reference is to a 3-4 yeah. time signature, but a 3-4 time is, um, you know, three beats to the measure so say an example would be like a waltz one two three one it's right. a little more um feels a little more endless you know kind of circular right uh this uh kind oh. of perpetual kind of one two three one two three so the circles kind of oh, make me think of that um but i did also read on there that there's a uh, it's it's a it's a uh, not um an effort to kind of um uh, do 3d sculpture in more of a painting like style is that what i what i wrote there uh, make painting more three-dimensional explore how to make painting more three-dimensional and sculpture sculpture more painterly so yeah, yeah. i'm kind of i'm kind of looking at that yeah i think as that's, well yeah i think that's kind of like uh, the whole idea of a wall sculpture is is like i was saying it's it's always going to be referencing painting in a way because it's on the wall and we think about it as mostly being viewed from the front so it does have something of a more of a set composition than a, a sculpture that you can view in 360. But so, yeah, I think she's intentionally getting into that. And even that maybe the use of color in that way of by limiting the palette to like these greens, it makes you think of it in the, in a colorful way that about like painting, like you, you know, maybe most sculptures either eliminate color altogether to sort of emphasize the form of it or maybe use one color um, specifically or so it's interesting here that she is using color in a way that is really painterly like like the label is saying that's interesting hmm so i i had never i'm glad you brought up the thing about the waltz because i had never thought about that because i when i read three four time i have no concept of what that yeah is. so th that was my immediate reaction was is this a is this a reference to three four time signature oh I, I'm, I'm positive it is i mean because you can see kind of i mean these are like are those like i, I always interpret this as like um music yeah they look somewhat music-like if not notation i'm thinking like can't tell, um, though, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think kind of a piano keyboard almost some, too, you know, but but not quite. It's yeah, like the, just enough to make you think about I know, about that's that, really funny because... But not literally. I think I've always just read it like that when I because of the name, and I just always thought, oh, yeah, that's probably... It looks like uh, music notation, but then now that I'm looking, I'm like, it's not, is it? It's... I think you're right. I think it's it's just gives you enough of it to maybe make you think of it. It but feels like music notation. Yeah, and it, what's interesting is to I'm as I'm moving around, I'm looking at those lines on that curved piece of metal, the black lines, and then looking at how they sort of like um, mimic the same outlines on the discs in the background. And actually, it's like as you move around, around like sometimes those little edges will line up with the uh, other circles. Right, it's yeah. Kind of okay, interesting. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so it becomes like a very much like a drawing in space, like uh, like it was sort of yeah. talking about, that you kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. get these lines 
that connect for a few seconds and as you move they disconnect and then join wow. up with other things this, this one there's one that kind of meets in two places right uh -huh. there you see that one on the the little right side of the yeah yeah so that's that's yeah i wonder about intent with that that's kind of interesting that you pointed that out that that's neat yeah i'm and sure it's it's about the same thickness too isn't yeah, it yeah yeah i think it's very intentionally like oh that, i don't think that's an accident at all i think that's very intentional yeah it's too perfect to, to yeah that's cool if you had to pick a piece of music or a composer that you think would fit this what would, what would you choose? Um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Eric Satie. Oh, okay. And any number of his gymnopedi, uh -huh. I, I don't know how to say it, but uh, it's, a, it's a very, very um, kind of whimsical tune in three, four time played on piano. Okay. Um, if you heard it, you would recognize it. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think the whimsy of this to me, it, it, it feels very intentional, but it put it intentionally whimsical. Hmm. <laughs> and that's what, that's what makes me think of Santi okay. when I look at this. Yeah, this is definitely a, I think whimsy is a great way to sum up this work. Definitely. Yeah. It is, it is a fun piece. Uh, you know, I think, um, when people think of, to me, I, I think, we were talking about some of the work that people find difficult to look at and maybe some people would not be excited by. I think one of the things we also talk about a lot is is the the I could do that uh, effect. <laughs> That's my mom. Yeah, Every time right. we go to the art museum, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So that maybe this might not pass that test for some people right, because yeah. they, to some it might look like a, a a bunch of garbage on the wall, I'm sure. Um but I don't know. I think there's, to me, this is so much more fun than, say, looking at uh, this painting next to it, uh, which is, is much more sort of like austere. And, right. And, yeah. You know. My mom would definitely say she could do that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> and I, really, how would you do that, mom? <laughs> like, we, actually, that's a great, I mean, it's a, I, it's something of a glib answer. I don't like to sort of say, like, one of my least favorite museum responses to that is like, well, you didn't, um, <laughs> which is just, I feel like, not, I don't know, it's not helpful, but, but I think that's a great way. Well, like, okay, so imagine you are, what, where would you start? Like, how, what would be the process of doing this? You know, we have these um, Donald Judd sculptures uh, around the wall. I think we have uh, some hanging uh, pieces on the wall that are like, so minimalist and, and you know i think a lot of people would just go like uh whatever and and when you realize like no these were not made by a machine they were made by a person it's like oh wow this is like incredibly tight you know there's no room for mistakes a piece like this like three four time by judy feth there is so much space for mistakes <laughs> you can be sloppy here and like hide your mistakes because ultimately we're not going to notice them um because we're going to there's so much going on that it's easy to to hide it when you're making something really minimal it's it, there's no place to hide yeah this one's very busy for sure one thing that's really interesting and, and uh, as i've I don't know if I've ever noticed this before, but I just noticed this one bottle is like cut in half. Yeah, yeah. right down the right down the. I don't know if it's center. broken and just conveniently broken like that, but it's. It looks like it was. Yeah, it looks like it was cut. Yeah, it's I mean, really interesting because it's like it's cut. It feels like it's cut in half very purposefully. Oh, you know what? They all are actually. They're just turned at different angles, so oh. you can't see them all. Wow! And then like the way it's kind of finished off by the wire frame. It's like, so from a different angle, you it feels like the bottle is complete. 
um, because it's like almost being drawn yeah. in by the I wire. I thought all of these were full, you know, full bottles, but they're all cut in half. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, again, I've been here five years looking at this and never noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> so it always, it always pays to spend some extra time, more time looking at something than you normally would. Well, any last thoughts about this piece? Uh, you know, I would want more time with this one. It's there's so much to it. You got to really get into it. You know, I bet there are more little intricacies like those bottles. I'm sure. Yeah, there. that's what I was looking at with the fish. I'm like, well, I wonder what's up with the fish. What's going on over here? You know, <laughs> are they are they whole? Are, are they, they whole? Yeah. Are they missing parts? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely a uh, it's a cool sculpture. Um, you know, I I I. I don't know, with the fish and the the mussels and the limes and the the, <laughs> the empty beer bottles, they kind of you know have this. I feel like it gives a nod to you know maybe Cozumel or something. I don't okay. know. I'm just uh, <laughs> that's I, interesting. I, I, yeah, I, it's, it's a nice. It's got a very very beach like. Yeah. A very uh, coastal vibe to it on uh, one side. It, on one side at least. You I know? really, it's you know those fish. They seem sort of so silly at first, but when you really think about, they are doing so much work in this piece. Um, because without, if you took those fish out, you just kind of immediately get rid of those fish. This piece is way less fun, right? Absolutely. And like, yeah. the fish, they create, um, they really... There's motion there. Exactly. I was just about to say that they, yeah. they animate everything, you know? Because of their fish, and we, even though they're plastic fish, we think of them as swimming and moving. Um, and so then what we do is, by extension, we make the bottle swim, right? We make yeah. the lime swim. We I, make, yeah. You know? So we make everything else become sort of alive and living. So it's really funny the way how these just little um, fish can activate something um, all the, the rest of the pieces, uh, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the bottles now, like a school of fish. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's how I always see them too. Is just like, because they're all grouped up in that yeah. same way. You just think yeah. of them like darting around and yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for, uh, looking at Judy Pfaff's three, four time with me today, Ahmad. And thanks. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for being my guest. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. The special exhibition on view right now is William Kintridge, More Sweetly Play the Dance, and we also have lots of special features like multiple medium, photographs from the collection, Marcel Duchamp, Bois en Valise, American Women Printmakers, Mementos of Affection, and Contemporary Japanese Ceramics. Join us on March 30th at 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. for Art After Dark, Dance Like an Egyptian. Enjoy a silent disco in the Great Hall from Headphone Dance Party, interactive tours from Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, and more. This event is free with cash bars and food for purchase. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and even join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Ofran Musicale by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us on iTunes. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. <laughs>